1: All about all of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. i just it up there. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Absolutely
0: not. Welcome to Buckets. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, and today I'm very excited to be joined by Alex Christensen, aka Noops. You can follow him on Twitter underscore noops n-o-o-p-s he is the dean of tennis at sports wager university he is the host of brown bag bets you can follow his work all over the place at bet us nba ace nba previews the net worth pod all sorts of places but follow him on twitter great follow phenomenal nba better love having him on he did one total with me last year i've got him back on today alex how you doing
1: it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood matt we're finally getting into some nba stuff we talked about it just before we got on air. Win totals actually starting to pop up a few places, even though we don't have a schedule yet. So starting to dust off all the models and the numbers and shaking things out. And it's a great way to start like we are today with some of the awards.
0: So let's start there. Cause we're going to start with six man of the year. Now this award today's show is going to be about how to bet six man of the year. So we're not just going to give you picks, but we will definitely get you those picks, but we're also going to talk about the process of betting it, what you're looking for, how you approach betting these markets, all those types of things. So uh, we'll obviously, as the offseason, we'll have like, you're going to hear it today. Then we'll have like more analysis closer to the season. And then we'll have like a best bets episode right before the season starts. So lots of stuff. But you want to hear Alex's stuff. This would be a great place to start getting your positions built on the awards. And we'll start with sixth man of the year. So Alex, when I was doing the research on this, look, everyone kind of knows in this field, in this space, the basic tenant of six man a year betting points, 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 points. It goes to the player that has the highest per game average in scoring off of the bench that qualifies per season. This has been the historical marker for it over and over and over again. The number specifically over the last 10 seasons, these players averaged about 29.5 minutes per game. They average 18.2 points per game, 3.6 assists, which is maybe higher or lower than some people might think, and 3.2 rebounds per game. Obviously, rebounds never going to be a big deal here if it's so focused on points. When you look at these markets, Alex, what's like the first number one thing that you start looking at when you look to bet these things?
1: I think with any awards market, you start with what has happened in the past. You have to remember that these are not tied to any statistics necessarily. These are awards. They're voted on by media members. A lot of guys that have been voting on these awards for years. So you see a lot of consistencies in the voting patterns. And so I'll start to go back through and look at those. And although I said they're not tied to statistics, I loved your intro there. That is exactly the profile of the player that we're looking for six man of the year here. It's someone who comes off the bench and not just comes off the bench, but specifically scores a lot of points. You know, I look over the last 12 winners, you said it's about 18 points per game, and they really are. They do a great job of sticking to bench players. On average, you know, you'll see these guys start maybe 10 or so percent of their games through the season. And the other thing that stuck out to me was it's almost always shooting guards. I have the last 12 winners up here. Ten of the last 12 are shooting guards. And this isn't one of the awards where you look at it. They don't mind giving out multiple award winners here. Lou Williams got it a couple of times. Jamal Crawford got it a couple of times. So some of the awards, I think that maybe the voters are a little more hesitant to not vote for people that have already won. But this is not an award that necessarily fits that. So like you said, we're looking for a high scoring guard off the bench. And generally for a very good team, the average win percentage of your six man of the year award is over 65% for the last 12 years. So um, those are everything that kind of fit my bill here for six man.
0: Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the winning side of this, because I think it's a, an interesting question, because typically when I when I think of just like, hey, guys, that put up a lot of points, not necessarily tied to team success. There's a lot of guys that can put up points in the league on these bad teams and be able to rack up the numbers and so uh, you mentioned the 65% winning percentage, which that's a great poll there. I've got the seeding here. Just to go back quickly through these Tyler Hero, number one seed. Jordan Clarkson, number one seed. Montrez, second seed. Lou Williams in 2019, eighth seed. Lou Williams in 2018, 10th seed. Eric Gordon in 2017, back to a third seed. Uh, Jamal Crawford, fourth. Lou, fourth. Crawford, third. JR Smith in 2013 was a second. And James Harden in 2012 was a second seed, so we see basically that there's a pattern of you need to be a top four seed unless you're Lou Williams, in which case you're Lou Williams, and they're just the voters have a soft spot spot in their heart. One thing I thought that was interesting, I tend to look at the last ten years of sample, and one of the reasons is there's two two reasons for that. One, the NBA has changed its voting uh, makeup in a couple of significant ways over the last ten years. They expanded the voting pool, and then they kicked out local announcers. That was like a big deal and the announcers are still pretty sore about it. So what you have there is you winded in a lot of the biases that are built off of these team-driven dynamics. Those are a little bit gone. Your beat writers are going to be partial to the team and they also have a political reason to back the guy that's in contention. Like, the guy from Miami, the beat writers from Miami were always going to vote for Tyler Hero next last season, even, even if it had been closer, right? If you wind up being like you didn't vote for our guy, that can hurt you in those in those discussions. Like that is a real part, I think, of the topic. Um, one thing I noticed in the last 10 years, <clears throat> on top of the seating stuff, six of the last 13 have been repeat winners. So here's where this gets interesting. okay? so we got 13 years, which is not necessarily a huge sample, but it's more recent and it factors in these changes that's mostly made made up of Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford. Like that's where these two guys come from. So one of the interesting questions here is, do we see more of a dynamic towards the voters going consistently towards these guys because of their role, best score off of the bench in the league? Or is it just that Lou and Crawford were two uniquely fit individuals to win the award? And they're going to wind up proving to be an outlier across it. Like that, I think determines whether or not you want to bet Tyler hero to win it again. Um, which I think gets into, you know, we'll, we'll talk about hero in a little bit. Um, I'm curious as to your thoughts on trying to weigh the, the, the thought process, because some of these winning MVP is harder back to back. What makes the Jokic going back to back so impressive and makes the his three P chances are zero. Even though I said his repeat chances last year were zero. Um, he's definitely not winning it three times in a row. Some of the awards are different in terms of how often they're repeated. We've seen this pattern in the last 10 years of you need to be on a winning team. You need to put up points, but also if you've done that consistently over multiple seasons, these repeat winners, does that factor in at all to how you approach the award?
1: It does. Cause I try to sit and think about, The voting process. So number one, a lot of these media guys, I'm sure that they watch a ton of basketball, but they're most often watching the best teams because that is who is on national TV every single night. Those are the best players. That's who everybody wants to write about. So their eyes, I believe, are probably generally on teams that are better. You then also take into account the fact that better teams have better players. So if you have better players, it's more likely that your first guy off the bench is better you've got all those little things and then it also sticks out too. you're watching this great basketball team everybody sits down and you're like okay the other team's gonna make a comeback here but all of a sudden there's this guy coming off the bench like tyler hero or even clarkson in utah who is still putting up a ton of points and not only keeping the team afloat but actually helping them win games so i think all those little things really matter and to maybe take a little bit of a shot at the award this isn't as big of a prestige award as the mvp The MVP is an award that matters historically. It is huge. You know, it's, you look at the list of MVPs, they're all clear cut hall of famers, but, and not that it's a little bit of a throwaway award, but I think voters too also like to make sure that the best teams get something every year. We'll talk about a different award and kind of how that happened last year, maybe with the Celtics, but you know, Clarkson was on a jazz team that won a bunch of games. They deserve to get some recognition with the Clippers here with Miami last year. You know, they weren't going to get defensive player of the year MVP or anything like that. So there are a lot of little reasons, but as I start to stack them up and again, it all is part of that narrative. Try to think like voters. This is, you know, media people looking at basketball, trying to vote on this stuff. And as you start to stack those little chips up, I think it really does mean a lot to be on a winning team. So let us a little bit about how to bet this award.
0: Uh, so obviously right now you're going to get the best number. They're all long. You're going to get reasonably long numbers on most everybody. Uh, when you're betting this award now because there's injuries and all the other factors that go in. So you've got this opportunity to get those longer odds, but you're obviously your knowledge base here is a lot lower. Um, we'll talk about the favorites here in a second and give you the picks. I will. The one of the differences I will say about this award compared to others. MVP. I, I don't want to necessarily bet heavy. I'll, I will start betting it after the first month of the season because MVP is like my bag. And that's the, the thing I focus the most on. And I will look at this and be like, I like these numbers and we'll bet it. And I bet MVP basically month by month by month, like I'm building positions throughout the season. Six man of the year, compared to some of the other ones, I think you want to wait on DPOI. I think you want to wait on some of the other awards. The trick is always like, how do you get the value before it's gone? Six man of the year is one that I personally think that your best target date is around November 1st. So Hero started as like one of the higher candidates last year. He was shorter than some of the other ones, but wasn't necessarily super long. I wrote on NBA bet for Futures Friday. I took him at plus 200 on November 5th. By the end of that month, it was a minus. By January, we're looking at minus a thousand by the end of by by all-stars like minus 1500 there are some exceptions here to what hero was doing one they were the number one seed they got off to this great start so he qualifies there two his role was going to be pretty set throughout the season he was going to get the number of minutes necessary to get the points and they knew what they were relying on him for and then also he's younger right so compared to maybe some of the veteran guys that you would look at for this award there's less of a risk of injury especially you mentioned like the shooting guards you know shooting go- guards is sto- historically they're going to suffer fewer nagging injuries than maybe some of your big men and things like that so hero was a, a specific unique opportunity but i do think if you're looking to bet this award and you want to get it at the best number you can start i think right away um not like first week of the season but first you know, it, it season starts in October, middle of October. I think by November, you're going to start seeing like, oh, wow, like these guys are really are putting up numbers uh, off the bench. Now, I've had a bunch of guys for sixth man of the year. Uh, my biggest position was on Tyler, and I just kept adding to that. But I bet like Montres Harrell, who honestly probably should have gotten more votes for this award, given his contributions throughout the season. I think the fall off of the Wizards and then the trade really hurt him. You know he only got three total points in the award. That was honestly pretty wrong considering his contributions. Um, I bet Carmelo Anthony, who he was second in scoring on November fifth, so in off the bench, like Mello was looking really, really good. Now I knew that that was a risk. It was a huge number. I knew there was a huge risk with Mello. I was like, this is probably going to go down. But I was like, if it doesn't, he's with the Lakers. This is going to give it give it value. Absolutely. Um, When you're looking to bet this throughout the season. Do you think that there is a significant advantage to when you time those bets, whether it's first month of the season or Christmas later in the season? I think this award gets pretty locked up. We've seen that historically that by all-star, the value is gone. This is an award. I think you need to bet earlier rather than later. Do you
1: agree? I do. I think this is an award. You actually have to bet preseason because, and you did a nice job of breaking down kind of the narrative. Those are easy narratives to see. Everybody knew going into last year that the Miami Heat were probably going to be very good that Tyler Hero was going to come off the bench and score a lot of points. The year before, the Jazz were going to be very good. Jordan Clarkson was going to come off the bench and score a lot of points. He was the favorite to win the award before the season. I believe it was right around plus 800, might have closed at plus 600. But again, he was the favorite. Harold the year before, close to a favorite. Lou Williams a couple years before, close to the favorite. Now, Hero, a, a little bit of an outlier. He was not the favorite before the season started, but was bet heavily. He was someone that... Started, I think, in the 20 to 25 to one range. You got down to single digits. So I think you do have to move early because these roles don't very often change during the season unless there's a big trade that really affects the team's dynamics. Going into the season, the six-man off the bench is pretty much the six-man off the bench throughout the entire year, again, unless there's a trade or some sort of injury. So I think you have to strike early because, like you said, at this point of the year, everybody can sort of win it. There's a lot of numbers out there. You can really do some great shopping, and I think this is one of the awards where, again, I, I get in pretty early on this, and like you said, by All-Star break, this is pretty much fucked up because, again, we know who the six men are. We know who's scoring a bunch of points, and short of something bad happening or there being a trade, it's pretty fleshed out.
0: I think the value is on preseason. I will say that if you – let me put it this way. If you bet preseason and none of your, your guys hit by November – like that, and you want to make sure that you're hedging. That's a good a good time to, I think, start spotting it because you'll at least have a little bit of data. There's obviously the injury risk later in the season that can derail things. But I just tend to look at this and go, I still think that there's there's value early on in those seasons. Hero is still like a long number, the last week of October, and then it just one thing I did I have noticed with these markets is these move a lot faster than some of the other ones. DPOI was a lot slower to react to MVP was a lot slower. MVP was behind all year last year. Um, this one I think reacts very quickly and so if you want to get in at a plus number you're going to have to take on some of the risk of the long season but I do think there's opportunities there depending on what shots you take in preseason, to go that direction so let's go ahead and get to the picks Uh, do you have a couple best bets for us that you've taken on six man of the year
1: I do unfortunately no Tyler Hero I don't mind him at that plus 450 price but Started to look, again, looking for hopefully guards, looking for guys that are going to score some points coming off the bench. And there was four numbers that stuck out to me. Spencer Dinwiddie um, is right around 22, 24 to 1, depending on where you look. I think that he is absolutely going to be locked in as the sixth man for that Dallas team. you know, Again, depending on maybe some moves and things, it seems like they're always involved in trade talks. But if they come in with more or less the same team they have today. He's going to be the sixth man coming off the bench. I think he's a great chance to get to 15, 16 points per game with a lot of highlights for a winning team. The second, the 76ers, my Philadelphia 76ers, traded for DeAnthony Melton, and he immediately becomes the best player off the bench. And there is a small part of me that wonders if maybe he can fight his way into the starting lineup, but I think that he's probably pretty settled there, especially given with Maxi being moved into the starting lineup. He's a really nice number. Again, I'm looking at him around 30 to 1. And then two really big numbers. This is kind of just me playing some large numbers. Number one, Grayson Allen. He was about 120 to one to be six man of the year. Now, not a guard, but the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be a good team. They're going to put up a lot of wins and he is definitely going to come off the bench. And we saw last year in spurts, he was able to pick up a lot more of the offensive load. And I'm curious to see if Bud is going to enable him a little more. Talon Horton Tucker uh, from the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, I'm Pretty concerned about the Lakers' ability to win enough games for him to be a really marquee player here, but he's playing in Los Angeles. He's going to be, I think, the high-scoring guard coming off the bench there. You mentioned Mello last year. I don't think that he's going to get nearly as much work. So THT, I'm looking at like 200 to 1 or better. So those are the four that I grabbed again. Just trying to grab onto some big numbers here. It makes sense to me that Hero is the favorite. I wouldn't blame you for betting him at plus 450, but... All that Jordan pool momentum coming in from the finals and stuff, and Golden State has a chance again to win a wide open West. So I think those two should be pretty close, like they are. But I guess I'd lean Hero if I was going to pick one of the favorites.
0: Yeah, FanDuel. Uh, you can get Hero plus six fifty as always. You want to shop around for the best number? You can do that on the Action Network app. Uh, shop around for the best number. You can get six fifty on Hero. Pools already already down to five hundred. I, I think if you're looking, if you're like, I want to bet a favorite you're still getting five to one on Jordan pool. Let's, let's look at the numbers, right? Like, is he going to play 30 minutes a game? Probably in that range, given like the guys that they've lost in Gary Payton, right? Uh, Probably going to, and what he proved in the playoffs probably looks at, at that kind of role. Steph, they'll probably try and manage his uh, minutes, right? Um, So it fits their winning percentage, 65%. We expect the warriors to definitely be 65% or better, can definitely score all of those types of the top 4 seed. He fits all the different categories. So like I do think there's value on Jordan Poole plus 500. It's not as exciting, it's not as sexy, but I do think there's a lot of value still on Jordan Poole if you can get that number at 500 or better. Um what's interesting about last year is you mentioned Taylor Horton-Tucker and this applies to a lot of the guys that were on the voting list of results last year. And it's the impacts of trades. So you mentioned THT, my risk factor with THT is he probably gets thrown into a Kyrie Irving trade. And if he goes to Brooklyn, I don't know if he starts because that's how, how desperate they may wind up. And if not, if they trade Kyrie, they're definitely trading KD. And if they trade KD, they're almost definitely going to be bad. And if they're going to be bad, um, then I think his, his chances go to zero. Now, if they do that trade and Tht's not included in the deal, I really like that pick, right? Lakers are probably universally better with Kyrie instead of Russell Westbrook, which would have to get moved in that deal. And then THT comes off the bench and he's, he's in that role. I think that that pick gets a lot of value if Kyrie Irving gets traded to the Lakers, which ultimately at this point, I still kind of expect to happen. I would say like I'm leaning like 55, 60% that that happens um, based off of my understanding of the situation. The other guys, second on the list last year for results is Kevin Love. His situation doesn't change a lot. Um, and so there may be some value there if you're just like, well – I'm betting against pool and hero loves at 2,900 finished second last year. There's probably objectively value there. The Cavs get back. Colin Sexton that takes some usage away. They add a Baji that takes some value away. Maybe Kevin Love doesn't have quite as good of a season that takes some value away. Like all three of these little ticks, I think wind up hurting him a little bit. Um, One name that's really interesting to me, and I don't think it's bettable now, but it's cam Johnson. So cam finished.
1: third.
0: Cam finished third in voting last year. He had 128 points to Tyler Heros, 488, right? Finishes third. He gets one first place votes, 27 second place votes, and 42 the most third place votes last season. Uh, Cam Johnson currently over at FanDuel is plus 2100. He's still 21 to one. The risk here still exists where if Kevin Durant wanting to go to Phoenix determines where he goes and he goes to Phoenix, Cam Johnson absolutely 100% is involved in that deal, I think. And so if he goes to Brooklyn, he may wind up starting and be neutralized for this. But if you look at the situation and you're just willing to say, because nobody really knows, I'll just tell you this, the insiders don't know, nobody knows. If you're just like, I don't think he's going to Brooklyn, or I don't think he, I don't think that Katie's going to Phoenix, I don't think that happens, whether you think Katie's staying in Brooklyn or going to Toronto or wherever else. If you're just like, that trade's not going to happen, I feel confident in it. I think Cam Johnson's got a lot of value um they have looked they have made various moves to try and change up their second units and i think cam johnson is going to feature more he had kind of a down year i love this as a bounce back spot what do you think of cam johnson at 21
1: to 1 he was one of my last crossoffs i'm just worried about him being able to score enough points uh, given the way phoenix you know stack's Booker and Chris Paul, I I just don't know if he's going to get the kind of usage. You know, Last year, you said, I agree with you, down year could have definitely been better, but only 12 and a half points. Can he get another four and a half, five points? Can he really get to 17 points per game? But definitely checks all the other boxes. Another guy that's
0: in that same category of, can he make the kind of jump necessary? Can you really get above where you were to where you want to go? Um, I do like the value on this one, and I'll be betting it. It's Bones Highland. Bones has taken a lot of money. And that those numbers have moved considerably uh, on bones. He's down to 16 to one plus 1600 at FanDuel. If you can find a better number, obviously get that one. Uh, 10 points per game last season. Couple of things here. Bones is going to come off the bench. He's not going to start. Um, Jamal Murray. Michael Malone said that summer league is going to play 25 minutes per game to start. They got to manage his recovery. So he's going to start out at 25 minutes per game by April. It's probably 30, 35, right? But they're going to have to be careful with it, with Jamal coming off of that injury. So that opens up. If you look at it and you go, all right, 25, that's 23, non Jamal minutes that bones will probably play. Plus I would say four to five, maybe more, maybe seven getting into that 30 mark minutes of crossover with Jamal. I think they're going to like the, the matchup of Jamal and bones together. Those lineups I think will work considerably. Um, Bones will start in games where Jamal sits on back-to-backs in situations like that, but it won't be enough to remove him from consideration for the award. Uh, the biggest thing here for me is it's that bench unit is going to need him to score. He's a really good passer, but he's a great scorer. He's got an awesome step back. He shot 36.6% last season for three, and it was v- widely variant. He would have games where he went 0-5. He would have games where he went 6-9, of 9, all over the place. Highland, I think probably that's, that stuff slows down for him. His shot selection evens out. He gets more of a consistent role. Them moving Monte Morris, like that was that decision was in large part predicated on Bones Highland's our guy off the bench. Like that was a huge loss for the Nuggets to move Monte Morris. That's how important they thought KCP was, but they don't make that deal unless they believe in Bones Highland. So plus 1600, I still think there's really good value on Bones Highland uh considering that the nuggets i expect to be a top 4 seed absolutely and he's going to get they're going to have an
1: absolutely elite offense i love that pick and um i was able to grab a little bit of that right after the trade at a better number i still like it at 16 to 1 again going to come off the bench should put up a bunch of points and that trade not only opens up room for him i think it is really a vote of confidence especially for mike malone now we know malone is maybe a little enamored with veterans and there's just a small part of me that is worried that Ish Smith is going to get too many minutes this season for some reason, because he kind of always does. But I think you're right. They're going to hand the keys to Bones. And assuming he has a solid start to the year and is moving well on defense, because I think that was a lot of what kept him off the floor last year was just not knowing some of the defensive rotations. But I think you're right. That trade for KCP definitely signals that they're going to give Bones his, his opportunity. So I like that pick.
0: A couple of uh, names, I think, to cross off. I actually think you got to cross off Hero right now. And the reason I think you got to cross him off is there's just too much risk. Like, even if you think that there's a 10% chance of a Kevin Durant trade in Miami, we know he wants to go there. That to me is enough. And quite honestly, the other reason I would tell you that to stay away from Hero for right now, Hero is the guy that Miami has shopped all offseason. Like, that's the guy that they know is the only way for them to get a star upgrade is Tyler Hero. It's their only guy. That's the only guy that they really have because they don't want to move Bam. That's almost a non-starter. So it's like your best assets, Tyler hero. And if a team can talk themselves into Tyler and they can get the return, especially if they get a star, like I don't think a deal gets done between Utah and Miami for Donovan Mitchell, because I don't think Danny Ainge and Pat Riley will ever want to work together. But if they did do a deal, Tyler hero would be involved in that. And hero moves into a starting role immediately. So I would be hesitant on Tyler hero, at least until we get into the season if you get to the, the beginning of the season, these these numbers will likely be static, and then you'll still be able to get a really good number on hero and have a little bit more confidence in it. Um Malcolm Brogdon, too much injury. Just the injuries concerned. Last year
1: do what? It might start, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like if, if they find out that their best lineups are with Malcolm Brogdon starting and Marcus Smart off the bench, I can see that happening. So that one's off the board. Uh Jordan Clarkson, Utah's gonna be bad. Can't do it right if we're if we're trying to use the the history of the award Parkson is gonna be on too bad of a team um the then what do you want to, you, you took a, i think is really interesting because i find myself leaning toward the upside on the mavericks because i think they're being slightly undervalued in the market after the jalen brunson loss the only issue is is just that spencer wears out his welcome like he was well he was productive in all of his previous stops, but ultimately teams keep moving on from him because of essentially he's a lot to deal with. And I think Dallas is better primed to deal with that. Cause they got a lot of guys I would actually put in that category. Um, but that's one thing I worry about is the risk factor of does Spencer get traded at the deadline or early in the season. And if so, does he go somewhere where he still comes off the bench? The odds are still probably yes. And if that's the case, I still think that there's probably value on him, but that's one of the risk factors I would say when you're considering Spencer Dinwiddie is just um, he doesn't tend to stay places very long and those, the trades can always disrupt things. Or do you consider that to just gonna kind of be the same thing as like, yeah, well guys get injured. That's part of the risk that you take in betting.
1: I think it is similar to an injury risk there, but I was heartened as to how happy he seemed at the end of the season last year. And again, I don't know if that was he liked Dallas or he was just thrilled to be out of Washington, but you make a very good point. He can be kind of a touchy guy, but Seemed like he was happy in Dallas, and we know Cuban is willing to focus on that kind of stuff. And like you said, I think Dallas is a real fun dark horse team this year. For whatever reason, you're right, people are jumping off here because of Jalen Brunson and love Jalen Brunson. He's great on Villanova, really good for them all season, but that is not a huge, huge piece that's going to keep them from winning the title.
0: Uh, Anthony Simons, I think, might wind up starting. So he's another guy that I would cross off. Brandon Clark is the guy that I want to win the award, but he's never going to. He's not going to score enough points. If the award was judged the way I think it should be, which is like, hey, you come off the bench and actually give your team a different lineup and help your team win games, Brandon Clark would be a fantastic pick. Unfortunately, that's not it. It's just points, and Clark's never going to score enough. Um, Norman Powell goes in the same bucket as Luke Kennard, who finished uh, top five in voting last year. Don't take a clipper. Their lineups are going to be fluid. They have the flexibility to basically start or bench whoever they need to. They're going to rest guys. You just don't know. You don't know who's going to be in what rotation and who's going to get. And I think that they're going to have nights where they're just like, yeah, you're going to play 15 minutes. And then tomorrow night, you're going to play 30 on this back-to-back. Like the variance, I think with Norman Powell and Luke Kennard and all, you know, I would even put Terrence Mann in this conversation. I I think the the Clippers entire strength is their versatility. So those things are going to be pretty variant. Do you agree with me on that?
1: Yeah, I do. And I also would layer in the injury risk. I think that that team. They were an injury risk team last year. Everybody got a year older. So not only the lineup changed, but who knows if somebody goes down, he might be starting sooner than later.
0: Um, last one I'm going to rule out is Emmanuel quickly, just because uh, any Knicks trade for Donovan Mitchell includes Emmanuel quickly. I don't know his role will be with Utah. It's possible that they tank and start him if he doesn't get traded. If Donovan Mitchell goes to Miami or any other location, uh, I will probably bet Emmanuel quickly because his numbers were really great last season. I think there's actually a capacity for him to take a big step. I think Quickly's good. I don't have a lot of faith in Tibbs recognizing that, but if at the number 33 to one at FanDuel, I can get on board. Um, I want to go back to real quickly to close out. The one bet that you mentioned that I'm absolutely taking is the Anthony Melton. Uh, I'm very high on the Sixers. Tyrese Max is going to start. James Harden's going to start. The Anthony Melton is great off the bench. He's I think his offense is absolutely going to cook. Uh, the numbers for the, for their offense are terrific. They have better depth. they will be a, a top four seed. They'll get a lot of attention. I I definitely love I did, getting the Anthony Melton at 42 to one. Now I took him last year because that's how much I like the Anthony Melton. So I'm a little biased and definitely he couldn't get above Tyus Jones in the rotation, but uh I may have just been a year early on the Anthony Melton. Love that pick by Alex. Uh, I think that's, that's that may be the, my, the best value on the board right now, honestly is 42 to one for the Anthony Melton. That's a great pick there, Alex.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I think the Sixers again, they're going to be great and they are screaming for a player like this to come off the bench and score a lot of points by hard and rest through the season while Maxi gets little breaks in between running things. And I think Maxi could actually play with Melton. I think those guys have a lot of fun together. So he's just a perfect, perfect fit. I was really excited with what Maury was able to do on draft night to get him.
0: Okay, that's going to do it for buckets for today. We're going to be back with another episode with Alex next week. Uh, where we'll talk about Defensive Player of the Year. We'll get his thoughts on that as well. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Give us those five-star reviews. They help us out so much. Check out our YouTube channel and download the Action Network app. This podcast, all my videos, all the stuff that we do is all in the Action Network app. Award-winning Action Network app. Download it right now. We'll see you guys again next time. And let's get buckets.